All right, my people, this is your man, El Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. You know how we do it. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. We got quite a bit to discuss today, so let's get right into it like we always do with the word on the street. And as of yesterday, the White House had their first meeting in 22 days. Of course, we know that it has been shut down for almost two weeks. Uh, Trump has, of course, taken his hard stand. Uh, against opening the government until there is 100% agreement on his wall uh, across the southwestern border and he also wants to start building uh well starts to he wants to spend uh projected 5.6 billion dollars in order for, for border protection the democrats uh they want to spend significantly less somewhere around 1.3 uh, there is no there is no real uh, median either. Uh, there has been some proposals uh, from both sides, though, to kind of, you know, accommodate both wants. But it seems that Trump himself has not really uh, wanted to to extend that or to really consider any of those possibilities. He's been more on the side of I'll keep it. Clo I'll keep the whole government closed until we get something done about this wall, which I think is ridiculous. I don't think this is I'm sorry, this wall is not the most significant problem facing this country, and I think he's distracting us and he's taking our money because at this point, uh, at this this um, continues, this shutdown continues, uh, not only will federal employees start to not receive their next paycheck, but then that starts putting our tax refunds in jeopardy. Yes, people, your tax refunds are in jeopardy. They're finna steal your shit. Yes, they finna steal our shit. I said it. They gonna try to steal it, and I don't care about no immigrants right now. I want my money. I don't care. I didn't ask about that. I didn't ask about them. I don't care about what they want to do. They want to come here and get a new new life. Let them do that. It's not like they taking the jobs that I want anyway. I'm just being honest. Where are they working at? Y'all want to work all the same jobs? That's up to y'all. There is something called school. We can all get an education. There's called trades. We don't have to be fighting over the same damn jobs. I don't care what they want to do. They want to come here and get a new life? Let them do that. Oh, you can sit there and say, well, they're bringing drugs here. Well, who's selling the drugs in when they get here? American people. So shut up. Our jars are full of American people who sell the drugs that they keep saying immigrants are bringing in here. So I don't, again, what is your argument? We about to get our money took by this by these people. I'm just saying. Oh, we need to shut down the border. No, we for what? Who cares about people coming here? Yeah, well, if you want to control the numbers, and well, how about this? Instead of charging five hundred grand or however much we charge for immigrate for for people to get immigrated or you know for for people to gain citizenship here, how about we just oh you don't have a you don't have a a history of violence? Okay, well you want to go to school? Oh, okay, well how about you just go in here, just get a visa or something, make it easy for people, so people don't have to just come over here and just and just sneak in here and and do whatever, because they're running from the gangs, they're running from the drug cartels. That's what they're. That's why they're coming here. So you keep saying, "Oh, well, that's all they're bringing here is it's murderers and drug dealers." No, that's what they're. Those people are running from. But people can't see that. They're so close-minded about some fake nationalism that they're not even a part of. You want to be a part of a nation that won't give you a tax return for fuck that, and they keep taxing us. Fuck that. I said it. But I said that. You want to be a part of a nation. You want to be nationalistic about something about an entity that won't give you, that won't pay you back for the money it's taken from you. But it wants to build a, a wall for what? No, give me my money first. We can talk after I give me my money first. Don't play me. Give a damn about y'all wall. I don't care about immigrants coming in here trying to get a new life. That's y'all trip. Y'all the ones hating. Why? What's wrong with that? Oh, because people got to compete. Well. Maybe you should bring more skills to the to the party, sir. If you're worried about an immigrant snatching your job, that's what I'm gonna start telling people. That's your if that's your biggest fear, then maybe you you need to you need to upgrade your your style of life and the way you conduct yourself and and what you're trying to learn and what you're trying to do in this life. That's your biggest fear. If that's your biggest fear right now, when you ain't got no tax return, but they keep taxing you, please. You ain't got they don't love you neither. Forget the immigrant; they ain't got no love for you neither. But you worry about some immigrants. I'm not. Y'all can come here and get y'all. Well, come get whatever you can at the moment. We ain't got nothing. I don't know. Y'all should probably go somewhere else at the moment for the next couple of weeks. Y'all should just keep on going to Canada for right now.
I wouldn't stop here for right now. They ain't got nothing but nobody. Y'all worried about some immigrants. This is funny. This is funny. This is why all that nationalism, that's all when all y'all forward thinkers, I'm not a part of the mob. It's blowing up in your face. Oh, we weren't a part of the mob. I don't want to be a part of the group. Oh, well, now it's blowing up in your face, Mr. Contrariate or Miss Contrariate. Or if you're, I don't, you know, for everybody, you know, sir, madam, all those contrarians. Oh, I, he's not a part. He's clearing out the swamp. Really? But you ain't got no tax return. And you ain't got a 2% tax cut. And you ain't got no health care. See, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, nobody can defend this this regime. I'm sorry. I, I'm not saying Hillary would, would be better. I'm not saying that. But I know f at this point, you can't defend this regime and this administration. I'm not buying it. You ain't got no tax returns. They talking about they're going to be delayed. We ain't got time for that. I don't care about no wall. Stop worrying about, stop listening to the news when they start, stop, no, stop listening to the sensationalized news. That's where CNN is a problem. That's where Fox News becomes the problem. That's where mainstream news becomes the problem. That's why people go off and try to find Tommy Sotomayor's and Alex Jones of the world. And they're no, and they're no better. I'll get into that at a, at a, at a, uh, my next episode. I'll, I'll, I'll detail that next, uh, at the end of this show, but going back to the shutdown, Come on now. He wants he wants to put up a wall so bad that he's willing to shut down everything and not focus on anything else. Like we can't even there's no money to fund. Well, the IRS is saying they have no money to fund themselves, but I thought they were not a government entity. See, this is all becoming some game. Somebody finna jip us. Stay woke. Stop stop trying to fall for the low the low uh the low bait the low you know the low hanging fruit out there in society that sensational social media stuff yeah i I noticed the past couple of days, especially with that uh that situation at the McDonald's yes, yes, the brothers oh they should have been knocking out the white boy they should have they should have jumped him listen, she was handling herself, the government is shut down let's move let's move on to the bigger picture, please stop it, please. Okay, can we not make can we not make this about that type of stupid shit right now? We don't have a government. I don't I don't care about you know, a white dude getting his ass handed to him by a female. Okay, she had it. She handled it. If, she, if if the white guy was wailing on her and and decided to beat her up and was beating her up, then then the guys could have did something different. But she was handling herself. Let's move on. Our government is closed. What do y'all got to say about that? I don't give a damn about R. Kelly either. We already knew he was gross. We already knew he was nasty. Y'all wanted to step in the name of love and buy the chocolate factory. Mmm, funny. But the government is closed. Let's move on. I don't give a damn about what happened on Lifetime. Okay. This is not a lifetime moment, okay? I need y'all to focus. We need to focus. That means me too, but I'm just saying that's ridiculous, okay? Let's not let's not get caught up by the low hanging fruit. Let's pay. Let's 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 keep our minds focused on what's actually going on here, okay? The government's closed. Forget what happened to the McDonald's employee. That's just. That's that's just one that's just one aspect. Look at what's happening on the bigger scale and look at what's affecting everybody. Stop isolating these events. Stop trying to find something to 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 trick off your time to. This is important. Keep your focus here. Don't be mad when you don't get no tax return. I said it here first. Don't be mad when you don't get the tax return on time. I'm saying it now. They're playing a game. That's why you keep hearing all this other stuff in the social media that's why they pushing all these no they want to they want to keep you unfocused and you, you want to keep your mind on on stupid stuff like say oh the black man needs to protect every black woman no i need to protect my mama my sister my wife whatever woman i decide to have children with whatever that relationship is and my aunties and stuff not every woman regardless okay i don't need to protect no i wouldn't i wouldn't protect women like cardi b why she put herself out there I said it. This is not the time for all that. There are bigger issues that we need to be facing. Immigrants are not our problem. Crooked governments are. Black people are not our problem. Again, crooked corporations are that take their jobs overseas. 
you calling up Capital One to ask about a question about your account. You hear somebody and you, you know what it is. We don't need to go through it. But we mad at gay. We mad at a Jew. We mad at white folk. White folk can't talk about us, but we talk about that's not. This is not the arguments we need to have right now, because guess who don't don't get the tax returns? Guess guess who we do all of us trans. Black dude in the hood, black dude got a job and work. All of them poor black dude don't get one working class black dude don't get one working class white man won't get one rich white guy. Well, that don't apply to him. Rich black guy, you know, whatever. But the, the guy barely making ends meet, the woman making ends meet, grassed out. That's right. No more flossing on Instagram. Well, at least for at least another month or so. But for now, I'm going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get right into some NFL news. Yes, we're going to talk about some of the playoff matchups. As a matter of fact, we're going to go through all the playoff matchups. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about some Antonio Brown. Go through the uh, drama that's going on with the Steelers a little bit. And uh, we're going to also go through some more coaches out of work right now. Uh, we're going to go through the rest of that gauntlet as well. And then uh, after that, we're going to get into some NBA stuff. Uh, of course, we're going to talk some Gordon Hayward. Just a little bit about some Gordon Hayward. He seems to be back a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk uh, some injury news here. And then uh, I'm going to get into the LeBron situation with the t- the perceived tampering uh we also got some basketball news on tap uh some college basketball news on tap and of course nba and college basketball scores as as well and uh, of course uh we're gonna go through these college football i told you got the last minute awards my personal awards for college football and then we're gonna go over uh the national championship i'm gonna preview that for y'all as well and then i'm gonna wrap everything up with a review for you guys i told you i've been working on that for a while uh it's gonna be the in-betweeners uh pretty show from the uh from the late 2000s so uh we'll get into that as well to wrap everything up so i'll be right back y'all all right all right y'all so i got some college football news for you guys and of course we got the national championship coming up this monday but it looks like clemson has got a lot of drama to uh to account for three players have been left off the final roster including the star defensive lineman dexter lawrence uh this is like i said this is for the national championship game this monday versus alabama uh b samples of drug tests have found trace amounts of osterine which is a banned substance uh they have also found it and offensive lineman Zach Giella and also tight end Brandon Galloway. Uh, Giella and Lawrence can be suspended up to a year uh, barring an appeal. This is not good. Um, this is definitely, um, they're missing the tight end. They're missing one well, out. The tight end is a freshman, so he might not get too much burn uh, come Monday. Well, he probably wasn't getting too much burn Monday anyways. Uh, but Zach and uh, Lawrence were seniors. I'm pretty sure they would be getting some type of uh, starting. Yeah, they would be starting this game. So not a good look from Clemson. That's a lot. That's some questions that they got to answer for. So I don't know uh, what to make of that, but it definitely makes the job easier for Alabama. Uh, of course, like I said, I got some last minute awards. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of my favorite teams of the year. Also my favorite player and who I think is uh the coach of the year as well. We're just going to just wrap everything up for the college football season and just put my final notes on it, my final little thoughts on it. But um, uh, let's get right into it with my player of the year award. Uh, I know the Heisman, they got they got Kyler Murray winning that one. Uh, but I'm going to have to go for, personally for myself to attack of Uh He had 3,671 yards this year, 68.3 uh, completion percentage, 41, uh, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. He also had a two, uh, 205.2 uh, quarterback rating. And the most important thing uh, is he won his conference championship, and he's more than likely uh, going to take it to Clemson in that national championship game. He already has one on his on his. Uh, his resume already and that kind of was enough for me to kind of give him the Heisman this year uh my opinion uh, of course he has to play this year out but he's looking phenomenal in my opinion one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen come out of Alabama and if he were to go pro I think he's a better pro from Alabama than Joe Namath just just in terms of what he can do 
Uh, moving on, uh, I'm going to go on to my coach of the year. I'm going to have to go with Mark Stoops out of Kentucky. He had a 10-3 and record this year, and he finished number 14 and 8 in the nation. And this is important because uh, this is a team that last year finished 4-7. and seven. I'll talk a little bit about a little bit about more as a t- uh, about the team in a second. Uh, he also finished third in the conference, second in his division, and he's returning one of the a top 30, a 35 class in the nation, uh, 35 to be exact. And I think that's significant. I think that's shown that this team is, uh, this school has come a, a long way instead of just being a basketball school and starting to get some respect for being a football team. Of course, uh, next year is going to be a telltale uh, year for him, but I liked what he was able to do this year, uh, really really able to rally those guys up. It's a team that does not necessarily win 10 wins like that and was able to do it with rather ease. They only looked to be out of sorts in about two or three games, uh, two of the three games that they lost, in my opinion. Uh, but moving on, uh, we're going to go on to my most improved teams of the of the year. Uh, I'm going to start off with number uh I'm going to start off with number 25 uh or yeah, number 25 Fresno State. Uh they finished 12 and 2 this year. Uh they finished uh winning with winning the Mountain West and uh they mount they won the Mountain West Championship against Boise State and they also won against uh the they won the Las Vegas ball against ASU. Now last year, uh they didn't finish that bad off. Uh it was Jeff Tepfer's first year. They finished uh, 10 and 4 but second in the Mountain West this year uh they were able to to improve significantly they looked a lot better offensively and defensively and again they were able to win that Mountain West trophy so i got to give them some props there they don't get a lot of love so i'm going to talk a little bit about Fresno State uh moving on we got number 15 te- uh, Texas they finished 10 and 4 this year of course uh second in the Big 12 uh and they ended up winning the Sugar Bowl against number 5 Texas and i think Outside of the conference championship game that we're going to see uh, coming up, I think this here uh, is the most significant uh, was the most significant win in my opinion uh, of the ball series so far. Uh, they were seven and six last year and fourth in the Big Twelve, so they've come a long way. I think the Horns are back. And finally, uh, I've already mentioned their coach, but I might as well talk about the entire team. Uh, I'm going to go with Kentucky. They finished the season number fourteen. Uh, of course, like I said, ten and three this year. They recently won the Citrus Bowl against a legitimate Big Ten team uh, in. Uh, Penn State, who's won some ball games as some recently, some important ball games as of recently. Uh, I like who they are defensively, one of the top five defenses in the nation. Uh, running, uh, we're talking rushing, uh, passing, and also scoring. Uh, their only drawback is their offense. I would like to see their quarterback play step up just a little bit, and I think their rivals they would also need some wide receivers as well going into next year. But I like their speed. I like their linebackers. Cash Daniels is really good, and I think they are definitely on the rise y'all so do not be surprised looking at look if you're looking at next year looking at Kentucky possibly challenging for the SEC East uh moving on I'm going to talk about uh my most disappointing teams or my fall-offs um Couple teams I want to talk about here. I'm going to talk about Stanford first, though. They finished nine and four and third in the Pac-12 North. Uh, they won their ball game though, the Holiday Bowl against Pittsburgh, fourteen and three, but. Pittsburgh is not really that great of a team. Uh, and they finished this year 1-4 against the top 25. They were able to beat Oregon, uh, but they just were not able to, to get it done again. Well, and the cold part is it's really, a, well, it's just a testament to, to how good the Pac-12 is because all those losses were conference losses. So uh, it's it's a uh, it's well yes all those losses were conference losses. I think except for the Notre Dame loss. So uh, again, I think Stanford just really disappointed last this year. I had them a, a favor to win the Pac-12. Uh, they did have Bryce Love coming back. Uh, they had a solid quarterback uh, on their squad. They also had a great receiving core. I, I'm not too sure why they weren't able to get it done, but they weren't. Uh, moving on, I'm going to go with Auburn. Uh, they finished 8-5 and five this year at the bottom of the SEC in terms of their record. I think that was 3-5. and five. Uh, And this is really bad coming from a team that, of course, took that L to UCF in the ballgame last year. And had a but had a really good solid opening uh, season victory against Washington at a neutral site. So you thought they'd be good this year, but of course they fall apart once they hit conference play and they finish eight and five. They're a big disappointment. And finally, I'm gonna go with Michigan. Now I know the record, and I know what they did this year. We'll have people thinking, like, what are you talking about? But they finished second in the Big Ten again. And uh, Jim Harbaugh is zero and four against 
um, Ohio State. So that's not a good sign. And they got beat up by Florida in the ball game. I believe the score was 43 to 14. Not a good sign. I think Jim Harbaugh is overrated. He might give it one more year before he dips off to the NFL, y'all. That's just my opinion. Um, and my two teams, uh, two teams that are on the rise, or one team that I do see that it's on the rise, are the Oregon Ducks. I know I talk about them a little bit. I know I talked about them every now and again, but I'm really convinced about this. Uh, they're that red box ball win was a uh, was ugly, but it was a sign of something to come. They definitely, for the first time in a long time, have a really great defense. So if we're finally able to get a, a, a balanced offense to go around that, we're looking at a championship caliber team. I definitely think they're back in the mix uh, for the back the Pac-12 next season. They have one of the best recruiting classes in the nation right now, top five. Uh, they have a great uh, defensive line coming in with one of those uh, pickups in Thibodeau on on. Uh, in terms of recruiting so look out for them as well all right y'all we're gonna take a quick break i'll be right back all right my people i am back and like i said i was gonna get into this nfl uh action we got the playoffs coming up and so i'm gonna be going over all the wild card games we got over the weekend uh we're gonna start off with the colts and the texans the colts coming to this one 10 and 6 the texans are 11 and 5 uh the texans ended up winning that division uh the coming into this one i in terms of breaking this one down, I like the Colts. I definitely like Andrew Luck. I definitely like their offensive line. They've been keeping them upright for the entire year. They become one of the best offensive line in in the league. You also got Marlon Mack, one of their best running backs they've had since Edgerin James and even Marshall Falk. They've only really had three great running backs since they've been in Indianapolis. Um, but um, with that being said. I do like the Texans. I like the Sean Watson. I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that their running their running game is better than Indy, uh, Indianapolis because I don't think it is. Receiving, they do have the edge uh, with De DeAndre Hopkins, in my opinion. I think T.Y. Uh, Hilton does match up with Houston's secondary a little bit. That secondary for Houston is a little bit uh, suspect, but I definitely like that front seven. They have a great, uh, great defensive lineman with J.J. Watt and also Javion Clowney. Both can stop the run. Both can get to the quarterback. I like their linebackers. Again, like I said, the secondary leaves a little bit to desired. And T.Y. Uh, Hilton, and also you also got e uh, Eric Ebron there for the Colts, who can make, who I think can make some plays. But overall, I think the Texans are just a little bit more balanced team defensively, and I like what they bring to the table overall just a little bit more. So I got them winning. Uh, whether it's a barn burner, meaning a whole lot of points scored, or a close defensive battle, I got the Texans winning that one in a pretty in a pretty close score uh moving on we got the seahawks traveling to dallas to face off against the, the cowboys both teams are 10 and 6 uh however the cowboys won their division the seahawks however however had to earn their playoff spot in week 17 they were able to, to convincingly beat uh one of the top teams in the league uh that being the kansas city chiefs in prime time uh the cowboys in my opinion uh they've been struggling they looked ugly as of late uh i did not like their last win against the giants at home they gave up 35 points could have lost that game and he did not have Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I think they can be ran upon. I think they can be scored upon, uh, passed upon. These are all things that Seattle is proficient at and, and has gotten better at over the course of the season. I think the Cowboys have a better defense, but I just like the coaching. I like the coaching experience here with Pete Carroll. Pete, Pete Carroll has actually done something, uh, even though he hasn't coached as many years in the league as uh, Jason Garrett. I don't believe he's won a lot more, at least in the playoffs. So I got I got Pete Carroll here despite I got Pete Carroll and the Seahawks there uh, despite what's going on in Dallas. History does not bode well for me. They don't for me uh, in terms of voting for, rooting for them. They haven't won anything for me to really be convinced that they can win this game. So I got to go with the Seahawks. Uh, moving on, we got the Chargers going to Baltimore to face off against the Ravens. Uh, the ball, uh, I'm sorry, the Chargers finished the year 12 and four, of course, second in the AFC West. Uh, the Ravens finished nine and six and needed to win in Week 17 against the Browns to get here, but. They got it done uh, by the uh, by the skin of their chinny chin chin. Of course, they're going to be led by Lamar Jackson, and they have a decent running game here. Uh, I think the Chargers they're just a little bit better. Uh, 
maybe offensively with having Phillip Rivers and what he could be able to do passing the ball. They also have slightly better receivers uh, with Keenan Allen. Uh, they also have a great tight end with Hunter Henry. Uh, they also have a good running game. They got, they got Melvin Gordon. He's healthy again. So I like the Chargers offensively, uh, but I feel that if Lamar Jackson can have a coming, game, a coming of age game, and I feel like Dak has to have one, I feel like either Dak, uh, Lamar, or Mitch are going to have to have one of those to get them past a certain hump. You might see one of those games this week. Lamar Jackson might be the guy. If Lamar Jackson can throw between two or three touchdowns, we're looking at a different game. I think the Ravens might be able to steal one. But I'm going to go with what my logic tells me. And I'm going to have to go with the Chargers here. Uh, finally, moving on, I got the Eagles going to Chicago uh, to face the Bears. And this one... I like the Bears. I think the Bears are better than them offensively. I think they match up against that undynamic offense outside of Nick Foles perfectly. I'm not convinced that they can really, the Eagles can really stretch the ball down the field on this defense. Uh, I feel the, the Bears have a very underrated secondary with Prince Akuamura. He can get interceptions. He can deflect passes. He's a great cover corner. Uh, they're also, also their safeties are good as well. A good defensive line and, and defensive line and those linebackers, Roquan Smith and, and Khalil Mack, please. If Mitch Trubisky again can throw between two or three touchdowns, we're looking at instead of a 17, I, I got it already like a, eight, a 19 to seven game. We're looking at a, at least a, two, a 32 to seven game. If he could throw two to three touchdowns, I already like the running game better. I already like the receivers. They, their receivers match up pretty well both receivers they have uh I, I say they're about even in terms of their, of their receiving course but i'm gonna go with the bears easily here i think the bears blow them out really they stomp them uh i'm not convinced outside of nick Foles, what is their offense consist of uh they made some splashes on defense with michael bennett and all that i'll give them that but i feel Chicago has a more superior defense. They're ready to go. Uh, we're going to move on to this big news here. Of course, Antonio Brown yesterday, he asked for a trade. He requested a trade from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, let's get more to the drama that led into this. Last week, of course, in their win against the Bengals 16-3, he did not play. Uh, the reason he did not play was because he did not show up to the last three practices of the week. Uh, there's also been a pattern that, I, that has been confirmed of him missing multiple team meetings and also practices throughout this season. And I will go on to even just guess and say subsequent seasons as well because it's been unchecked. I don't think a behavior like this, you know, it just starts in one season i think it's a pattern it shows up slightly in certain instances and it plays itself out uh, all the way it starts to get worse and worse all the way until you have this culmination where he has to be traded uh, again um now so far this season he had a great season 104 yards 1,297 yards and also 15 touchdowns. The issue with him is just off the field. Uh, there's the issue with him and a reporter threatening a reporter. Uh, there's also him and Ben Roethlisberger going back and forth, really just being, I think, pussyfooting around the, their situation there. Whatever animosity they think they have against each other, they're not being grown men about it. They're taking little subliminal shots at each other. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, more so through Twitter. You got Ben Roethlisberger, a.k.a. Captain Fat Fuck, you know, throwing subliminals at him through fucking press conferences and, and, and you know, interviews. And I don't mean to just cuss like that, but it's just frustrating. You got these two grown men in a situation where, you know, the, I, I don't get it. This Pittsburgh Steelers team sands the drama. It's good. If you look at that team on paper, the question is, why is this team not one of the number one seeds in the playoffs? If you were to just look at this team on paper, knowing what you know now, knowing what you've seen in the NFL, they should be on the level of the Chargers. They should be on the level of the Chiefs. But their distractions are just crazy. These distractions are, and, and mind you, earlier this season, I went out against them. I made a State of the Union address against them, and I went in and I and I bashed them for a little bit. I said that these, all these, all these, you know, issues were coming back to affect them. It was drama that they did not need. Maybe they were not mature enough. And then I took it back when they went on their little winning streak. They went seven. They were seven and two at one point. Uh, they went seven and two at one point, and I'm sitting there like, oh, okay, well maybe I should put my foot in my mouth. But apparently, I'm, I'm wrong. 
This team still is immature. This team still doesn't has has issues. And this is the thing. I know a lot of the sports heads, whether it be the guys on Undisputed, Skip and Shannon, you got you got the the sports writers like Chris Broussard and Rob Parker. They might all blame Mike Tomlin. But the thing about it is, with that being said, these are grown, all grown men. And I, I and I don't, you know, I don't see another grown man telling another grown man what to do. I think a grown man needs to understand I am a a highly paid athlete. I have a, a a job not only to myself but for the organization that signed that contract. And not even that, I'd want to win. The I don't care about the individuals. See, I, I and I think that's you know the problem with a lot of these diva wide receivers and just diva men in general. They're so concerned about their own personal gain that they don't care about their teammates. And and, and believe me. The people who know football, the people who are gonna make these these contract signings, they see all that. That's affecting them. That is affecting their decision. Now, don't get me wrong. He's probably gonna get a gonna get signed somewhere. So same thing with Le'Veon Bell. You'd be crazy to let that that talent go away, right? Yeah, but he's gonna go. They're gonna go to trash bag teams. Watch, they're gonna end up on the Raiders and be mad because they're not successful. They're gonna want to trade from there. Le'Veon Bell's gonna miss run and go to the Jaguars. Oh, I hate it here. Oh, why did I leave? Why did, you're gonna be mad because they're not gonna take the same. They're not gonna take winning the same way. You'll get paid though. You'll be able to flex on Instagram. Maybe that's what it's all about. Maybe it's all about just looking good and flexing, flexing on Instagram. Maybe it's, maybe the goal is to not win Super Bowls. Maybe I'm maybe I maybe I'm lost with this modern player. At least the wide receivers. I guess the wide receiver just wants to just make his money and look good on Instagram and just fuck hoes. I guess that's the whole thing. Oh, look at all the money I got, y'all! I signed a ninety-five million dollar contract. I barely play half the time. And, and, and even when I play, my stats are going down. Just a little, you see my stats, they drip. They all, they all, and notice when they signed the big contract, they all got issues. And they stats, some of them, they, either they got hella issues or their stats start to drop. They're not as consistent. It's a funny world we living in. Funny world we living in. Uh, moving on, uh, we gotta, we're going to wrap this up for the NFL. Uh, of course, when the regular season wraps up, all the a lot of teams, especially a lot of the weaker teams, uh, they start to clear house, get rid of them, uh, their head coaches. So we're going to go over the, the last few uh, head coach firings in the league right now. We're going to go into a little bit what uh, into what got them uh, fired, so on and so forth, a little bit just about the team. Uh, so first and foremost, we're going to start off with Ty Bowles of the New York Jets. He went 4-12 this season. He has an overall record there of 24-40. and His best record came in 2015 where he went 10-6, and but he did not make the playoffs. Um, with him, I think a lot of it is he inherited a bad Rex Ryan team, and on top of that, we obviously know they're not they're not a great organization at drafting, or maybe maybe it's not so much drafting, maybe just developing the talent. And I think uh, they did have a great defense at one point in time. Uh, but with that being said, when you have a great defense or when you have a solid defense, uh, and that and you they also had solid defensive coordinators as well. I would not you know gamble and just say well, we're going to be a, a, de- a defense heavy team and go with a with a with a defensive minded head coach. If I already have a solid defense, I'd go with an offensive minded uh, head coach to balance that out and vice versa. Uh, the Jets didn't really do that there. And I think they paid the price. They needed some balance. And now they drafted a, a, a really a, a quarterback with their first round pick. You know, that, that means they're offensive oriented. So they need at this point an offensive oriented coach. So it makes sense at this point. Uh, we also got Adam Gase uh, getting kicked out of Miami. Uh, he went 23 and 25 in three seasons, uh, but he went 13 and 19 in the last two. He finished 10 and 6 in his first season and got a playoff berth. Obviously, he didn't win anything. And they finished 79 this year. They started 3 and 0. And this is just a this is just coming from an organization that just has been through so much. Um, you know, even when Dan Marino was there, they didn't really f- see that much team success. So since the 70s, they've been, I mean, up and down. They haven't won anything really, though. But again, I, I, I guess they want to win. They, we'll see who they pick up. <laughs> uh, we got Vance Johnson, uh, Vance Joseph of the Broncos getting kicked out of town. Uh, he served there for two years. He went 11 and 21. Uh, but these were the first back-to-back losing seasons for the Broncos since 1971 to 1972. And I felt like they 
I mean, it's been a long time since that's happened, so I guess that was significant enough for them to say, hey, get out of here. But for but for his defense, you know, they brought in Case Keenum. I don't think Case Keenum was a great fit for that offense. Uh, they've been trying to find an identity for that offense for a long time since Peyton Manning left. Uh, defensively, they, they lost a few stars, too, and they're not what they used to be. So overall, I think this team needs a retool, and uh, – needs it fast uh we're gonna move on we got dirt cutter of the uh, tampa bay buccaneers he has a 19 and 29 record uh, he's coming off two back to well he's coming off back to back five and 11 seasons and the tampa bay buccaneers have not made the playoffs in 11 years so uh it makes sense that they want something new they want to go to the playoffs they they want to win something they want a challenge for their division get rid of Jameis winston make him make him eat his luggage on the way out and finally, we got Steve Wilkes of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, he only got one year, uh, but he went 3-13, and and this was the, f the worst season that they had uh, since 1988 when they moved from St. Louis. Uh, with that being said, he had a rookie quarterback, uh, but his numbers, of course, the stats did not bode well either. 14.1 points a game, 241 uh, total yards a game. Uh, again, rookie quarterback, I think, one of the worst, one of the, well, not the worst, but uh, I think on the in terms of the rookies that we've already seen, I mean, Josh Rosen is not as good as he was once was advertised, and I think the rest of the pack is a little bit, uh, slightly better than him. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Steve Wilkes got to go, and this is just a shame because this is a travesty of an organization. They've always been trash. So, I mean, one bad year from a coach, I mean, well, I mean, what, I mean, what can you really do? I mean, you've had your whole, you've had you've had the, your whole existence to be trash. So what's one year? What's another year gonna do to you to see this guy through? But again, Arizona decides to move on. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and like I said, we're gonna break down some NBA news. Uh, Gordon Hayward has had a highlight moment this week. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, we're gonna break that down see what he what he can do with it uh we're also going to break down an injury report here and then uh we're going to also talk about some tampering and uh lebron and what he has to do with all that and is it even important in this day and age and uh finally of course we're going to end up everything in terms of the nba with the uh with the scores from last night as well so i'll be right back y'all all right y'all so let's get back into it and uh a couple nights ago two nights ago gordon hayward had a season-high 35 points in a win against Tim, uh, Timberwolves, 115-102. to 102. He went 14-18 from the field, 7-8 uh, in the third quarter. Uh, that was the most points by a Boston Reserve since 2005 when Ricky Davis scored 15. Uh, I, I think it was I, – I, I wanted to cover this and talk about this just a little bit because, of course, he's been through the injuries last season. Um uh, the knee and the leg injuries last season that kept him off the court for a while. There's been a lot that's been said about, you know, his transition back. Uh, but again, uh, he had a great night scoring the other day. Uh, he's been trying to get his numbers back together. So far, he's only a lot, uh, averaging 11.1 points, uh, shooting 42% from the field, 32% uh, for three. He had a scoreless night against San Antonio. So he's still trying to get his bearings back, I feel. Uh, but he did make three dunks uh, the other night. So, again, he's trying to take it to the basket again. He's trying to, you know, keep his game, you know, sharp. And, um... I've I've suffered a major injury like that to the legs, and not only is it a a physical, uh, not necessarily to just any part of the body that you might injure, but just not only is there a physical aspect of it, uh, but there's also a, a a mental aspect of it. Getting right, getting confident again, and and understanding that your body won't give out on you again. Uh, but he had a, a really good quote here. I'll take this from. He said, uh, "You see the ball go through the hoop, and it gives you a little confidence. Getting stuff in transition, some easy ones, kind of." get yourself going that stuff always feels good so he's looking like he wants to get back in the swing of things he wants to be a part of fast breaks uh he wants to be a part of transitional defense he wants to get at it again uh so i can't take nothing from him uh he wants to, like i said um he's still dealing with those injuries you know trying to come back there's been a lot that's been uh 
been said about you know missing aspects of his game you know he can't go to the paint like he you know like he used to he's scared to go in the paint and i understand that there's a lot of contact in there uh, he's not looking to re-aggravate anything and spend any more time out he wants to be on the court for this team in any capacity even if that means he's coming off the bench uh, and i think this is the best route to go ahead and do that it preserves him and if he has and if he goes on a major run if he gets hot uh hopefully he gets hot during the playoffs and he probably get a starting back uh during that time uh but uh just to you know give you guys a heads up gordon hayward is you know he's alive he's alive he's you know he's alive guys uh but moving on we got some uh injury news like i said uh mark keith uh mark keith morris the forward of the wizard will forward from the wizards uh he will miss up to six weeks uh with an upper with a neck and upper with I'm sorry, with neck and upper back stiffness. Uh, this is commonly referred to as a case of cervical nervopraxia. I know I said that right. But this is just, uh, again, caused by any type of trauma. And according to what happened to him, uh, he last played uh, December 16th versus the Lakers. And this is when he took a shot to his chin. Uh, I, I wasn't able to. I, I don't know exactly, you know, how, I think it was, a, yeah, it was an elbow to his chin, and apparently it just set off uh, just a chain reaction. Again, it's caused by, uh, what he's going through is caused by significant trauma uh, done to any, anything by, uh, anything by or near your uh, cervical area, your spine and all that, so uh, the chin and all that, obviously, it, I guess it leads into all that, it's connected to all that, so it went for the neck, and all the pain and stiffness is going down to his upper back. So it's hard for him to move. Of course, you can't run around. You can't really rebound. You can't really score. Uh, but he did have an MRI. And uh, it's looking like, you know, he's going to miss some significant time. So up to six weeks. Up to six weeks. He already, he's already missed three games. Bro. So uh, they, decided to put him, they decided to put him on the shelf for now. And uh, finally, uh, in terms of the news, uh, we got LeBron. Uh, we've. I know it's been discussed somewhat, but uh, I wanted to put my thoughts in on this whole uh, LeBron and his tampering accusations and what that all is about. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, tampering, at least in sports, is an attempt to persuade a player contracted to one team to transfer to another. It's not illegal, but it's generally frowned upon. And, you know, here comes the big word, forbidden. Uh, with that, that word being said, I would understand uh, where there would be rules against that in terms of maybe owners and GMs uh, because they actually signed the contracts. But, I mean, I mean, if LeBron, he wants somebody to come play for him, I think he has the right to say that. I think he has a right to voice his opinion or any player for that matter. Uh, and if there, if there was an issue with that, if there's somehow tampering, wouldn't, um, if we're going to say that, just to be all fair, in all fairness, if that's tampering, uh, wouldn't, LeBron is doing with, you know, or what he was accused of doing with AD, uh, was reaching out to him and asking him to play with the Lakers next year. If that's tampering, uh, then definitely what Draymond Green uh, was doing with Kevin Durant with the text messages over the offseason would not, and a couple years ago, would not be considered tampering too. So it's, it's a very fine line. And I don't think when you start to make these accusations, whether it be the media or certain media heads or certain NBA teams, well, let's let's be fair about this. Let's call it out for what it is. Uh, if that is tampering, then there's a lot of cases of tampering. If that's not tampering, which I don't think it is, we need to let a lot of this go. Players are gonna players are gonna talk amongst each other. I don't think you you can stop that or should have a, a control on that. They don't sign the contracts. Now, if a GM is telling LeBron, yeah, you should specifically go in that guy's ear again. Hey, that might be a little bit different. Or if the GM himself is talking to this guy, say you should sign with my team. You should come here and come visit our. Yeah, I think that's again. I guess that's an issue. I, again, I don't even see what the issue with tampering. I think players are, are contracted. They are contractors. They are professional contractors. They can go wherever they they damn well please. If somebody wants to talk about how better they are, what they offer, you know, what they offer. Uh, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with a potential employer asking, oh, well, we can do this. We can pay you this. We can pay. Really? You can? Well, let me think about it. Is that what is that what NBA teams are worried about? Somebody might really think about legit joining the Lakers. Well, people legit joined about joining the Warriors two or three years ago. Didn't nobody stop Kevin Durant. Didn't nobody say this is tampering. It's BS. It's BS and I don't like it. I don't like it. 
Uh, but moving on, like I said, of course, we're going to go through the scores from last night. Only a few games to talk about. Uh, we got the Spurs. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, the, the Spurs getting it done against the Raptors, 107 to 125. Upset win here. Uh, let's break down the score on this one. Uh, for for the Raptors, the, a.k.a. the Baby Dinosaurs, uh, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard was the leading scorer for them. 21 points and 5 rebounds. And guard Dylan Wright had 15 points and also 4 rebounds. For the Spurs, uh, they were led by LaMarcus Aldridge. He had 23 points, 5 assists, and also 2 rebounds. Uh, DeRozan, he also did his thing. He had a double-double, actually a triple-double. 21 points, 14 rebounds, and also 11 assists. Uh, Brent Forbes also helped out off the bench. 20 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. Um, moving on, we also got the Nuggets beating the Kings 117-113. And in the big-time game of the night, the Rockets got it done with a last-second shot uh, from James Harden himself uh, to win that one in overtime against the Warriors, 135-134. to We're going to go over this one real quick, too. Uh, for the Rockets, of course, Harden led both scores. Um Sorry, with 44 points, 14 assists, and 10 rebounds, we got a triple-double here. Uh, Clint Capella also did his thing. In 29, he had 29 points and 21 rebounds. Uh, the Warriors, uh, they were they were led by uh, Curry. He had 35 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. Clay he also had 26 points, as well as Kevin Durant. They both had 26 points. Uh, Clay was also able to get 5 rebounds and 4 assists. Durant was able to get 7 rebounds and get 3 assists. Uh, the Rockets move on to 22 and 15. Uh, the Warriors now are at 25 and 14. What I noticed from this game is rebounding from Clint Capella. I liked it. Second chance opportunities. Again, we're looking at ways every game, every loss. If you're paying attention, you're finding ways this Warriors team is being beaten. They got out-rebounded tonight. Well, last night, Clint Capella was all over the place. 20-run rebounds. They can get out-rebounded. That creates second-chance opportunities. That's good for them. Um, and speaking of records, I just want to go back to that Raptors game. The Raptors are sitting at 28-12 and 12 right now. They're still on top of the East. And the Spurs, they move to 22-17. and 17. Uh, Let's move on to some college hoops real quick. And the big news is coming out of Oregon right now. Uh, their uh, number one uh, recruit at center this season, Bull Bull, has missed four games already with a left foot stress fracture. Uh, it's looking like he's going to miss the entire season. If that is the case, he is likely just to rehab and prepare prepare for this year's draft. Uh, he has been definitely ruled out over the next two weeks. Uh, but so far, he's, he's uh, proven to be a, quite a talent. Uh, he had 21 points, 9.6 assists, uh, 2.7 uh, blocks, and that's what he Average in only nine games, and he's already drafted. Uh, he's already projected as a top ten pick, number nine to be exact, and that's according to the uh, the Sports Illustrated Big Board. So, um, and if you don't know too much about Bull Bull, uh, he is the son of former NBA player Manute Bull, who played for the Golden State Warriors and a couple other teams uh, back in the late eighties. I want to say late eighties, early nineties. Uh, so, you know, he's from from what the numbers say. Definitely a, a solid, um, a solid player, but uh, kind of a wasteful Oregon in terms of recruiting. He was a top recruit for them, uh, helped them become one of the top recruiting classes for that for this year in terms of basketball. Of course, that hasn't necessarily led to a lot of success for them on the court, but still, definitely, um, if he's just gonna do the one and done, that was a big waste for us. We could have put that that uh, that scholarship on somebody else. Uh, it happens though. Uh, but moving on, let's get to these scores. Let's get through the scores real quick. Uh, we got NC State, uh, number 18, getting it done against Miami. Uh, they opened up their uh, conference play in the ACC last night. Uh, they were able to get that win, 87-82, like I said. Uh, in terms of stats, uh, NC State was led by Devin Daniels, the guard. They're both their guards, actually. Devin Daniels had 19 points and 8 assists. And their other, their other guard, Markel Johnson, had 20 points, 5 assists, and also 4 rebounds off the bench. In terms of Miami, they were helped out by their two guards as well. Chris Likes had 20, uh, 28 points and 2 assists. Uh, their, their other guard, Zach Johnson, had 21 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. For NC State, they move on to 13-1 on the year. For Miami, they're now at 8-5. Uh, moving 
moving on, we also got Iowa. They took an upset loss to Purdue, 86 to 70 is your score there. Indiana got it done against Illinois, 73 uh, to 65. They maintained their top 25 status there at number 23 at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. And then we also got. Um, Sorry, excuse me. Uh, Minnesota pulling off another upset here. They beat uh, number 22, Wisconsin, 59 to 52. And finally, we got Michigan, number two in the nation, beating Penn State, uh, 68, 60, uh, 68 to 55. We had a Big Ten slate all last night, with, with the exception of the uh, NC State Miami game. Uh, but this was a Big t uh, This was the conference opener for a lot of Big Ten teams, including uh, Michigan. But let's get through this one. Let's get through the, uh, the stats of this one. Uh, we got for Penn State, uh, they were led by their two forwards. Uh, Mike Watkins, he had 19 points, 12 rebounds off the bench. And uh, we also, they also had uh, help from Lamar Stevens. He had 17 points, 10 rebounds, and two assists. For Michigan, they had help from their forward, Ignis Bradzikas. He had 16 points and 11 rebounds. They also got help from their two guards. Uh, Jordan Poole had 17 points and two assists. And their other guard, Charles Matthews, had 14 points and five assists. Penn State moves on to 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, Michigan moves on to 14 and zip. Uh, I'm going to take another quick break, and when we wrap this, uh, uh, when I come back, I'm gonna wrap everything up. Like I said, I got a review for you guys. Uh, I'm gonna be talking about a show. Uh, it is on Netflix at the moment, uh, but it's a UK show from like, like I said, the late 2000s called The In Betweeners. I'll get into that when I come right back, y'all. All right. All right, y'all, I am back, and I'm going to wrap this up for today. Like I said, I got a review for you guys. I'm going to be going over a show called The In-Betweeners. It ran on UK TV for a couple years between 2008 to 2010. It is currently on Netflix at the moment. Uh, let's go through a brief synopsis of it. Uh, basically, about four guys. Uh, Four friends, high school friends, uh, named Jay, played by James Puckley, Simon, played by Joe Thomas, Will, uh, played by Simon Bird, and also Neil, played by Blake Harrison. And uh, basically just their crazy escapades and trying to navigate through the social construct that is high school. In the first episode, uh, we are greeted to Will, who is basically transferring from a public school, I'm sorry, from a private school uh, to a public school. So it's a whole different environment, a whole different type of people, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, something he's used to, uh, but you get to see that dynamic. Uh, I always liked the way they interact with each other. Uh, of course, this is a comedy. This is a kid show, but it's very, uh, very adult humor, I would say. Um, and it's kind of reminiscent of my friends because, of course, we were supposed to be kids. We were supposed to be, you know, high schoolers, teenagers. But here we are, you know, talking about all this type of this type of shit, blowjob, you know, all type of crazy stuff. And outside of probably the British accent is some of the, the more crazy stuff we would get it they would get into uh you know they they really re reminded me of my own friends uh just the way they you know piggyback off each other they will they will talk trash about each other but at the same time they they enjoy each other's company they really do realize you know that these are good people they're they, you know they're in their lives for a reason they're in each other's lives for a reason and you definitely see that that relationship is there and any show about friends you want to see that you want to see how that that friendship has been bonded you want to know you want well how that friendship was formed what type of things happen in order to uh, deepen that bond and you see that uh throughout uh the entire show uh simon gets his first car with these with, with these guys uh they take ad, you know wild adventures go off to another town uh visit a college because uh, they're in that they're in that age group so they're you know you kind of see and you kind of see their progression of of uh of their even their school lives through that show uh they start off as freshmen like i said you see them taking drives off to visit college towns and you see them you know grow up uh they grow up together they go through their high school years together and i i i personally thought it was um I thought it was done spot on. A lot of a lot of high school shows, uh, especially back uh, before our time, you know, set eighties uh, and nineties, all those nine hundred two one zero, all those shows. To me, I always thought they were crap because I always knew that those those high school kids were in their twenties, almost thirty years old, and it just those. When I finally got to high school or even just middle school, I started to realize, oh, that stuff is is just really dramatized. I feel like this show, yes, it's raunchy, yes, it's a little bit crazy, but at the same time. 
job, it feels relatable. Like I relate to the stuff, a lot of the stuff that these guys were doing. Me, Eddie, Tori, all my partners was doing all this. Jose, we was doing this. Luis, we did all that. So uh, we were late to class. We were cutting from class. You know, parents were digging the ass like, hey, you don't have to lie to me. And you'd be like, no, I'm going to go to, come on, man. It's like we, we went through this. So I definitely liked it. I liked the trip down in lane. I definitely, and it's always cool to see, you know, other people from different parts of the world, you know, go through the same issue. So it was cool to see that aspect of it, too. Um, you start to see, you know, we're not different. And again, we're not. None. I mean, we just happen to live in different places and our cultures might be different. The way we express uh, what we're going through is, is probably different. But you start to see, yeah, we get up. We all get at girls the same way. Oh, yeah, we all embellish and have the same sex stories and do all this. And it's and it's good to see that. And uh, again, one of the main things that I do like about that show and I'll keep bringing up is that friendship. Uh, that's the main selling point of the show. I don't want to call it a selling point, but that's the main you know point of the show is to is to build that friendship up. Up. and the way in which you know and also one aspect that i do like are the supporting characters uh the supporting characters how they mix in with each character separately and also as a as a whole when they're all together as an ensemble is really great too uh one of the the uh side characters that stuck out to me was principal Gil i'm sorry yeah principal gilbert um now he was just he's a hard ass uh he you can tell he generally cares about the kids, but he's a no-nonsense type of guy. Uh, he'll He's the type of guy that'll talk crap about you, but put you in your place and say, look, you know, you don't want to mess this opportunity up. You don't want to, you know, lose this opportunity. You don't want to, you know, destroy your high school years. You don't have to. Because I remember in one episode, it was really cool because uh, he told he he told him this real, the, one of the realest lines I've ever heard come out of a, an official, a, a, a administrative person at school's mouth. He goes, you know, you guys are at an age where you're not technically required to come to school, but if you're not going to do it, you're, you're basically tossing your life away. You're, you're, you're giving your life away. And I thought that was cool because it puts it into his perspective. And you, you do get that. You, you start to understand that at a certain point, you know, you are responsible for the actions that you, you know, that you make. I mean, yeah, you're responsible for those. And you start to get that more of an idea that you get a more understanding of that starting in high school. And I liked how they transitioned that in there. It was a real trans uh, transition for those guys. You got to see uh, throughout, like I said, their freshman year or maybe their sophomore year off to about their senior, just about till graduation, uh, because by the, by the time the show wraps up, they're on their last summer trips. They're getting ready to go off to university. They have been visiting college towns. And again, you know, the craziness follows with them, you know, uh, you know, whether it be getting somebody's car stuck in the lake or, you know, Simon getting his door knocked off. He just clean, just taken off by just running into a pole. He got his car driven into uh, a lake, like I said before. So it's just always something crazy. Plus, you know, some crazy actions and all that happening to him. Plus them, you know, trying to navigate, you know, their way through, uh, you know, just, a, you know, young adulthood, you know, teenage years. And I think, I, you know, I like shows that really grasp that, uh, that take aspects of people's lives like, you know, you know, child, you know, like, you know, high school years and really, like I said, encapsulated. And I think it did a good job of that. Um, the kids seemed to be of of high school age. So that worked, too, at least at the time of the show. Uh, and again, so it makes it all relevant. You know, we we, we know uh, what it's like to, to go to the winter dances. We know what that experience is like. It's good to relive that again and even uh, see it from from a different set of eyes, from halfway around the world this is what they call it they don't call it a prom they call it you know uh you know they call it something different they don't even call it a prom out there they don't even call it a prom uh, i forgot the word they use for it but they didn't even call it they didn't even call a prom a prom so just to see those just to see those same uh tropes that we go through in our culture just to see it done differently i like that i like just that alone seeing high school done in britain i just liked it you know um again it was a good show uh imdb gave it a uh 8.3 i i could agree with that probably even 8.5 a really solid show from beginning to end i'm kind of i've kind of one thing i did not like about it uh well not so much that i didn't like about it but one thing that i was thinking about was it was only three seasons but since it was three seasons and it, and it encapsulated so much well, at least two years i was hoping each season could add a couple more episodes to them uh just so we kind of get some finality to to everything but again you know 
I liked, you know, I liked the dynamics that people went through. Uh, again, you, you got people going through relationship issues. Of course, you know what it's like. You knew what it was like in high school to get out the girls and all that. So, again, it pretty much played up to that. Uh, it did a good job of that. The acting was really good. Again, um, character development is key for any type of show like that. And you saw that in spades. So, I personally, I have high marks for it. I think you should check it out. It was a good show. All right, yo, so we're going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, like I said, next episode, uh, of course, it's going to be The World on the Street. And I was going to do a part two to my black um, ideologies. Uh, I know a few months ago I had a segment about that. I wanted I went through kind of the, the past and we talked about I talked about Marcus Garvey, W.B. Du Bois, so on and so forth. Uh, I think a little bit I touched a little bit on Malcolm X and uh, Martin Luther King, those different uh belief systems and all that so i wanted to uh make a part two of that and update it i wanted to talk about what i've been seeing in our culture uh as of recently uh with the new youtube age i wanted to talk about um some of uh what i see there not necessarily you know bash or i wouldn't call myself exposing anybody but uh more so just putting it out there what's going on what we're looking at um and uh, why is there so much division? That's the main thing I wanted to come across, uh, to get across, is to really ask that question. Why is there so much division? There shouldn't be that much division. Because everybody's claiming, no matter what camp they claim that they say they are, they're all about for the betterment of us, right? So we wanted to discuss, I wanted to discuss that. Um, and of course, we're going to go uh, deeper into this uh this shutdown for as long as it's going to go on. Uh, there is some news that I just came across uh, for the NFL uh, I can't think about it right now, but of course we're going. Over, we're going to be going over the playoff scores as well. Uh, so we'll have that ready for you guys. Of course, we'll have the end of the week uh, college basketball rankings too. Uh, Saturday should be a a doozy, just like what we got going on in the NFL. It's going to be a pretty busy Saturday for college basketball as well. So we'll get through that as well, and uh, we'll be back, y'all, in, in about a, about another night or so. So I'll hit you guys up uh, Saturday night. All right, guys, I'll be back. Peace out.